Welcome everyone to the Let Us Rest podcast, where every week we talk about the power of slowing down. This week, my guest is Alex Pichowski Begay, aka Alex underscore PI3 on Instagram. And uh, I was just about to say right before you joined Alex that this was one of the hardest episodes to prepare for, um, which I know I've been telling you for like weeks just because we know each other so well. It's kind of hard to think of like, what should I interview you on? Because I feel like everything you say is interesting. So hopefully... Um, I've got some good questions for you and we'll have a good episode, but before we jump in and get to hear from you, I want to give some shout outs to the folks who have been supporting the podcast. So love to Nikki Smith, Irene Yee, Aaron Speck. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast on Venmo. Um, If anybody out there wants to support, this is a completely self-funded project for now. Um, You can always hit the link in my Instagram bio or in the show notes to support on Venmo, PayPal, or Patreon. You can also support by um, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews on whatever platform you're listening on. That super helps so much. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Diversify Van Life because I'm going to be doing a special bonus episode with them next week um, as part of their Femme Empowerment Retreat. So stay tuned for that. But with all of that housekeeping out of the way, Alex, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello friends and relatives, I am Alex Pichanskaye from the Navajo Nation, specifically born and raised in Ganado, Arizona, straight up res dog through and through, and yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about what your your introduction was that you did at the very beginning? Yeah, it's just a traditional uh, Diné introduction. So it includes uh, my clan, which are basically check locations on the reservation. And it helps us establish um, relations with one another. So we would explain it as cat, like how you yeah, relate to one another. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I know you have tuned in to most of the episodes, so you probably know. But for those who don't, this podcast is very heavily influenced by the NAP ministry. Um, They're kind of like my guiding light as I navigate this whole rest practice I'm trying to develop. Um, So I like to start every episode by honoring them and asking, when is the last time you took a nap? Um, actually, I don't really do naps, but quite recently I took a really amazing nap and it was nice because I, I have a hard time sleeping if, it, if it's, it's not like the right temperature or the right situation. So I actually have a hard time napping, um, but I had one really recently and it was amazing. So I'm going <laughs> to say within the last week. <laughs> In the last week. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh yeah, so you're talking about how you have a hard time napping, and I know that that is true, um, but you're really good at sleeping, which is also yes. very true, <laughs> um, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more about how you are so good at that, um, but before we dive into like your current rest and how you do that, I'd love to know, do you have a favorite rest memory? Oh, yeah. Uh, just the difference between sleep and rest. Like a mm-hmm. lot, lot of us, like I'm just talking specifically for myself, like I get a lot of sleep, but I don't ever get rest. And that's a hard thing. That's why I sleep so much is because I'm trying to get that actual quality rest that I'm looking for to actually be whatever in my life. Like I need I need that rest. and mm-hmm. I don't get it a lot of times. So but like when I actually get the opportunity to have that rest, that's why I don't do naps. Like 
it's so hard for me to take a nap because I know I'm just kind of wasting time. I don't want to say wasting time, but I'm not doing it in active. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe we'll dig into that a little bit later about like, <laughs> the pressure to it's be active. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a qualified therapist, but if that's what it feels like and it's helpful, then sure, call it that. Um, so I want to know a little bit about your relationship with rest and how it's evolved over time. So can you tell us a little bit about like what rest was like for you when you were younger and like maybe how that's informed the way you rest or sleep or sleep now? Yeah, I mean, kind of the household. So traditionally, um, like in Diné tradition, you're supposed to get up before the sunrise and go out and greet the day and like go on a prayer run or a walk and you greet the morning sun. And that was something that was very apparent to me as a young child, like growing up, um, growing up on the res, especially like my parents would be up very early praying in the, in the, in the dawn of the morning. And it was always something that I really like admired and like aspired to be and like do those things. And I used to sleep, um, stay at my grandma's house. And I'd sleep next to my grandpa, and he would always get up before before dawn, and he would make a fire, and he would build a fire, and go out, and he'd go out into the like cool, crisp air. It's like cold out on the reservation. Like a lot of people think, oh, it's desert, but it's the high desert, so we get snow and everything. So it's really cold in the morning. But he just has that like that intrinsically built into him because of his culture to like go out and greet the sun. And so that's something I've always like tried to. I'd always like wake up and like peek an eye out and like watch my grandpa and then like act like I was asleep. So that was always my biggest thing is like being awake, but like just laying there in a body of rest. And I think that's my favorite thing. And that's kind of how I don't know, I continue to do that as a kid. Um, I don't always wake up at the bug crack of dawn, like as a good Danae person, that's just not my MO. Um, yeah, there's different times of what I guess childhood traumas that have affected my sleep. So um, I think it's a big factor in how I my relation to sleep is now is because of all the trauma I've experienced. Um, I have a hard time sleeping. I have a really hard time resting. I have these like little tiny, I don't know what it is. It's just like my neuro snaps is just like will wake me up like like as if something's going down. And that's that's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's just been exacerbated with like being on the front lines. Like you have to be up at like 5 a.m. and people are shouting and stuff's going on. Like it's a battle zone. There's stuff happening everywhere. So you have to be constantly aware. Even when you're sleeping, it's like sleeping with one eye open. You're just waiting for that next little whatever to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like been shaped by uh, my traumatic experiences growing up into like what it is now, which I'm, I'm doing a lot better nowadays um, with sleep and rest. So that's always nice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just for the people who don't know, when you talk about the front lines, can you give a little bit of background there? Um, more specifically, the front lines. I mean, I live in a front line community, so we're constantly on the front line. So the extractive resources that are being hauled out of our reservation. Um, we have the missing and murdered indigenous uh, women movement. Like there's all these threats that are happening to us and we're at the front lines of a lot of battles. Uh, police brutality, our numbers are astronomically high like suicide rates and all these other ailments that affect us and so when i say i'm part of the frontline community that's what i'm trying to explain is all these different issues and then more specifically when i'm talking about being on a frontline frontline so i was at like standing rock and a lot of other movements where we have um large mobilizations of people who are against um not really again i want to say against we were actually for protecting the water and that was the only reason we we're there and that was standing rock you saw the complete militarization of 
uh, police force and also private private contracted groups who were up there just quite literally abusing people. And so we'd have to have actions that would happen before they started work on the pipeline at like four or five a.m. sometimes, in like the dead of winter. Um, and so having to like snap to action at a moment's notice or even as the day progressed, even if it was like the middle of the day, an action would go off and then, you know, police rush down, they have like tear gas and uh, rubber bullets and all sorts of stuff. You have to be like constantly like on a yellow kind of what they would call like, like yellow attention. So like, it's not quite like red danger zone, but you have to be constantly aware of all your surroundings at all times. Mm. And, and so that's what the front line is. Yeah. Thank you um, for explaining that. I appreciate it. Um, and so you, you're talking about how it still kind of affects your ability to rest today, just having that like heightened attention. What are some things that help you? Because you, you did also mention that you're able to sleep a little bit better now. Um, you've had some distance, like some temporal distance from that experience. What are some things that help you um, or have helped you um, improve your rest now? Well, I guess it's kind of funny, not funny, but it's just like creators way of like helping me in that sense. Like I had a really, I went to Standing Rock, I think it was four years ago and about three months after I was literally not sleeping at all during that three month period after Standing Rock. And when I got home, I literally was like in the studio throwing pottery for like 12 hours a day, like just trying to cope with all the PTSD that I had realized affected me that much until I got home and it was like a slowdown because it wasn't constantly like actions and stuff going around and like ceremony and all this other stuff that we had um there's a lot of beautiful things that happened there but unfortunately a lot of the traumatic stuff that stuck with me um really had a deep hold on me so I, I couldn't sleep I literally started failing all my classes and I would just instead go to class I would just be like I just want to throw pottery just so I can like get my mind out of that headspace and so I was doing that for three months or so just constantly throwing pottery i made over like i don't know hundreds of cups and bases it was really beautiful like to see my trauma manifest into something like that and then um i can't remember the exact date but i was um i had two of my relatives pass is my brother-in-law and my aunt they both passed on the same day it was just right after my birthday and it was like the first time I had a like kind of vacation for my birthday and like got to rest a little bit. And then I had this happen. So I like rushed home and I like go back home and like did all the necessary things to like help bury uh, my relatives. And I was just kind of like in a, I don't know, like a manic state. And I was just kind of running around back and forth like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do this. And I was rushing. I kept rushing and rushing and rushing. And I, I remember the night. I was ready to leave. My mom was like, why don't you just stay here and like get a good night's sleep and then you can go tomorrow. And I said, no, I have to get back. I've already missed like X amount of time in school. I was in school at the time. And I was like, I missed all these assignments. I have to get back. So I threw all my stuff in my car and I jumped in my car and I started going. And unfortunately this, like this person ran a stop sign and like almost killed me. Like I T-boned them um, after like some, very finagling car maneuver like fast and the furious type stuff um <laughs> i ended up uh you know getting in a really bad car crash and i had a concussion i didn't know i had a concussion at the moment and so i literally like you know i was still like standing rock mode so like pushed my car off into the, the out of the middle of the road and like went and assisted them and helped them and then i went home and i was like man i'm i'm actually tired like i'm sleepy and so i went to sleep and then i woke up the next morning with like the most god-awful pain in my neck and on my head. I was so 
out of it. And I had a concussion. I had a really, really bad concussion. I almost died. Uh, my neck was like was so far out of whack that they said if it was any harder, like my neck, my head would have popped off my neck basically. And so I was like, well, what can we do? And I was trying to heal. Like, I was like, what? Like, that's just my MO. I'm like trying to be active and do stuff. So I was like, well, what can I do? How can I fix this situation? And they're like, there's literally nothing you do with for a concussion. You have to go home and sleep. And I was like, yeah, but like, how, like what else? And they're like, drink a lot of water and sleep. And so I was like, oh, okay. And, and I'm like, I think out of my mind, I went to like a film festival thing that I was invited to for Standing Rocks. So I like drove over there. I was like, hang out with my friends. Didn't realize I really had that bad of a concussion until like maybe four days in, I was like, starting getting really bad headaches. And I was like, oh man, maybe this resting is. I need to start resting. And so I did like the next four days, I slept like 13 hours a day. And I was like, Oh man, I was like, I need to go home. So I jumped back in my car and I drove like 400 miles back home. And then I just started sleeping. I slept from anywhere from like at the very minimum 12 hours to the maximum. I remember 18 hours a day. I would just sleep. I bought blackout curtains and I'd have headaches. Like every time I was awake, it was more excruciating to be awake than it was to be asleep. So that was my therapy it was just like, and that's how it was been like for a lot of time in my past of having a traumatic past is like being asleep is the one temporary fix I can have. So if I go to sleep, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have to worry about whatever I'm in a dreamscape. I can fly around, do whatever I want to do and like explore that whole realm of, you know, sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's something that has really stuck with you. Like not only the sleep part, but the not rushing part, which I am yeah. really bad about when I get stressed. It's like, <laughs> we got to get this done right away because if we don't, then something bad is going to happen. And who knows what that bad thing is, right. but I can't really let that go. But it's something that I really admire about you is your just insistence on taking your time with things. Um, and I know that it's born from like this really traumatic and scary experience, but I, I, it is something that I admire about you and I've tried to work into how I approach things too because it is so important to take time and slow down and you know when you rush bad things happen or can happen um yeah yeah so thanks for helping have that influence on me <laughs> let us rest yeah let us rest <laughs> um so I want to know like how you are so successful with prioritizing your sleep and prioritizing slowness despite like feelings of stress or um worrying about like getting your basic needs met like even when it comes to work and things like how do you what do you tell yourself to to remind yourself to prioritize these things about being restful and slow when you have all these outside pressures um that potentially are weighing on you um, it goes back to a lot of things like being like self-preservation is one of the biggest things. It's like, how can I take care of myself in this moment and in the longevity? Like we always talk about like people always, yeah, buzzwords like sustainability, like sustainability is cool. Like, but what are we trying to sustain for how long I'm trying to sustain myself for the rest of my lifetime. So I'll do those necessary steps to make sure that I can live out the best life that I can at a very, like whatever pace. Um, I watched my grandpa a lot. Actually, my grandpa was such a, like an influence in that sense. Like, he would do things in like from an outside perspective, like, Oh, he's moving slow. I'm like, of course he's moving slow. He's like a hundred years old. Um, but he gets things done. He was like such a master at like, he was doing all the things he really needed to do. And that's one thing I get a lot of flack for is people see me moving at the pace that I do. And 
they're always questioning my productivity and it's kind of this notion of like the hare and the turtle whatever you want whatever analogy you want like slow is smooth and smooth is fast so if you're moving at that pace and you're doing things very succinctly and like taking not a lot of effort to do them you're not up and down on the, the richter scale you're just kind of you're moving along you're doing stuff but it's not this erratic like i have to do this 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 and that's where you get that like so you're expending all this energy going up and down doing all this extra stuff when you can conserve your energy and just kind of float through water so i'd like to analogize that also with water like you're floating like you're literally like in the ocean if you can fight the current all day long and try and swim against the current and you'll end up in the same place but if you're able to read the currents and say hey i can jump into this little stream here and like dive down deeper and catch this next stream here you can literally just navigate the oceans of life by using the least amount of resistance yeah i definitely i definitely see that in the way that you do things like your energy not like not like like the energy that you're expelling but like you're just like you know the energy around you is very like consistent and level you don't have like a big erratic shifts and that's very balancing for me who does have some serious like energy swings from time to time as i'm sure you're well aware um so you you talk flow state yeah 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 you like kind of live in that flow state which is really admirable um you kind of talked about like people expecting a certain level of productivity from you and i was as you were answering that question i was noticing like you i think are the only person who has come on and not introduced yourself in terms of the work that you do so everybody else has come on and they've said like, hi, my name is Jill and I work for such and such organization or I do this in my community and blah, blah, blah. And you introduce yourself as far as like your culture goes, but you didn't introduce your work because I don't think that you necessarily define yourself through your work. Because when I think of you, you're like a silversmith and a photographer and an outdoor guide and like you do all these things, you're an activist. But that's not necessarily how you define yourself. And I'm wondering how you kind of manage that social pressure to um, be defined by your work and to constantly be producing. Um, yeah, I, I don't define myself by my work. I'm, I, the closest thing I've come to to like describe what it is that I do is I'm an artist. Like I was told that at some point. And it's kind of funny to like be an artist. Like what does it take to be an artist? You have to start calling yourself an artist. So there's many years where I just, I did art, but I was never considered myself an artist. And then I realized at some point, um, my own like personal brand is resistance art. And so with a Z and it's like using, um, art as a form of resistance. Like I use my culture, I use my language. I do all these things to, and, and resistance to that productivity, productivity cycle that we're talking about capitalism. Like it all goes back to like white supremacy and capitalism and all these very damaging systems and so i want to like create my own little like narrative within that we don't need to subscribe to these systems that are in place because we there is a better life out there and the people get really upset with me like kind of sharing that truth and like it sounds very privileged and i know i have a lot of privilege to be able to uh be here and, and like have this interview like i have access to the internet and all these other things like i woke up this morning like all these things that i'm privileged to do but I've had a lot of like unprivileged privileged moments where I've almost died and like had to have these hardships that brought me to this place. And like, I want to bring more awareness to those, um, 
that type of living. I just want people to enjoy life as much as I do because I've seen, you know, I know the opposite. I've been to the, the deep depths of whatever else. And yeah, I don't know. Self-describe artist, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I find it very, um, again, like kind of inspiring that you don't let those pressures get to you as someone who's kind of new to this freelance world of kind of like putting together your own schedule and making sure that you make your own income and like no one's paying you a salary unless you go out and find it and you just kind of like let things come to you and I I find it really um respectable and really cool it's something that I'm working towards <laughs> that you don't kind yeah, of buy was, into the hamster wheel I was also like taught it um I mean, I know a lot of my followers don't actually, I mean, some people do know me personally. Um, I do keep like kind of a barrier because like my personal life and what I put on display is different, but I'm actually like very heavily into my traditions and medicine. And one of the teachings of like being a medicine person or a medicine keeper, especially in Dene culture is like, if you have these people in your life like that, the Hatafli, they, you invite, if you invite them to your house to do a prayer, whatever you take care of them. And in the same sense, that's their gift to share is that medicine, that prayer. Then you also reciprocate that by taking care of them. And the world and the universe, whatever it is that needs to keep that balance, keeps these medicine people taken care of. And that's what I always feel like. I always tell people like, oh, well, how do you do this? And I like how my lifestyle is like I live on a prayer. I pray every single night. I pray like all the time. I pray for my food. I pray for all the things that I have because it's such a blessing to me. And I know the universe or whatever, like creator, God, however you want to explain that whole, uh, that whole, yeah, whatever it is, it, it takes care of me in that sense. And I say, I, I live on a prayer. People are like, how do you do such and such? I'm like, I just pray about it. Honestly, like I don't, I don't take too much of that as personal and I do everything I can in my person to do those things, obviously. But I also like have this backup plan of prayer. I have faith. And if things don't work out the way they were supposed to work out, then they won't. It's just like me almost getting killed. I could have died. I could have just not been here. Like there's been many of those moments where I've almost died, especially like at Standing Rock or something like that. Like, but I know I'm taken care of. And that's honestly how I, you know, live my life kind of one day at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that is very much the truth. Um, I'm glad that you brought up prayer um, because I'm curious, like what are some other daily rituals that you use to inform your rest? and to help you get to a place where you can rest so successfully and sleep so well? (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of things that I find, like not just just for rest, but just in a daily, like mantric, whatever. Like I like to find one thing that made me smile. I like to find like the tiniest, and it's like usually the tiniest thing. Like one thing that like always gets me, I don't know why, is like when you turn on the shower or the sink, and I know a lot of my stuff has to like center out of water and that's just like water is life. It really is ingrained in my whole whatever. But when you turn like out of the shower on and it hits just right and it creates these little tiny like formulated bubbles that like shine, it looks like shooting stars inside your, your bath. That stuff I love. I love the little tiny nuances, even just the sound of um, like a bird chirping, whatever. There's these tiny things that we don't always notice, but when you do it, it just brightens your like your life. Like, a lot of people are always like, oh, like, getting high does that for me. But, like, I, like, get high off a natural world. I get high off of, like, the interactions I have with my niece and nephew. Like, listening to them, like, gibberishly tell me something about something that I don't know what they're talking about, but it sounds so interesting to them. And I'm just like, wow, that's, like, that's awesome. Like, I'm glad you had that in your life. That's what I like about um, 
that helps me rest at night. That's one thing that helps me sleep better at night is just having those little tiny interactions, whether it's online or in person or whatever. We can find those little connections and laughing. I love to laugh. I mean, you guys talk about how I'm a meme king. I love making people laugh because like that was my medicine for a long time. It's the whole like laugh now, cry later mentality. It's like, you know what? I could be here and I could be sad and do all this other stuff. Or I could like kind of laugh about the situation that we're in and like have just look at myself as a human person and be like, man, you guys like creator just really put me here with no instructions. And he just wants me to figure this out. That's kind of funny. Like I find some humor in it. Like what he's probably up there laughing. He, she, they, them, they're probably looking down at me right now, laughing, trying to watch me figure it out. If that's some weird sick humor that I can appreciate, then I will. I have a lot of dark humor too. And people are like, wow, do you kind of joke about some real stuff? I'm like, that's how, that's literally how I get through it. Being able to joke about it. So laughing a lot and finding one or two little things to just appreciate about the day. Just uh-huh. having gratitude. That That's the one thing. Yeah. Um, what is the last thing that made you really laugh? Out of curiosity. <laughs> oh, geez. Like really laugh. I don't know. We have so many funny moments, especially when I'm with my family. That's all we do is we just joke with each other all the time. Um a lot of it's inappropriate stuff. (laughs) If you knew my family, you'd be like the dinner time talks or is like when we come out with like the dirtiest of the dirty, it's just like round table who can make somebody like basically spit out their drink because you said something really like inappropriate. So that's kind of our humor style. So I can't think of anything clean right now. (laughs) What about, uh, head, head banging in the, in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, that's just fun stuff for my <laughs> brother-in-law. Even being up on the roof, I don't know how many people are actually following our stories. Or uh, We were up on the roof replacing a roof, and I'm up there with my, my adventure mandals and like, a cowboy hat. It's super mixed match, but, you know, just like having fun up there on the roof, like just boys will be boys type stuff. The actual definition of boys will be boys, not any of that toxic masculinity stuff. It's like three dudes hanging on a roof and just like building the roof and talking about all sorts of life stuff and yeah <laughs> yeah that um that was pretty fun and i'm glad that you all were able to find such a joy and laughter in what to me seemed like a pretty grueling task to be up on the roof in the hot sun all day but y'all made it look fun yeah, it's been 100 degrees pretty much every day, and it's it's it gets hot up there, but, the, you know, some shorts and adventure mandals keep it cool. <laughs> Shout out to Chaco. Um, this, this podcast is not sponsored by them, but um, they are the adventure mandals of choice when roofing. Which is funny because I actually wear a woman's 11, and that's how I got my Chacos, because they're a woman's size 11 that fit a little narrower track, and they were on sale, so I can't be mad at that. You know? But if Chaco wants to hook me up with anything, hey. <laughs> yeah, we're always looking for podcast sponsors if anybody's interested. Um, okay, before we get into listener questions, which if anybody does have questions, feel free to use the question button if you're listening live on Instagram. Um, I have one more question from you or for you. Um, what does rest is resistance mean to you and how can we use that as a collective form of liberation? rest is resistance because it's anti-capitalistic they want us to be productive the nine to five hour work week was created so you can be this little worker bee and they can replace you and pluck you out even the school system they don't want you to rest 
that's the main thing. They don't want you to rest. They want you in a slightly agitated state so that you do anything necessary to get that rest. And so they dangle rests all in front of you and say, hey, if you, if you do this and do this and you get the money, then you can have this. This is rest. You can have this if you work 20 hours, 40 hours, 50 hours, 80 hours a week just so you can have enough economic whatever value so you can attain this sleep. And that's always something I find funny when I go to the cities, when I go visit some of my friends and they're always in a rush, they're doing all their stuff, and I'm like... I was like, yo, the city is actually designed to agitate you. You guys have spent how many hours in a car, stuck in traffic, and you're upset, and all these other things to get to your work, who doesn't care about any of that stuff. They just want you to be productive. They don't care about your trip home or how well you sleep or anything else. They just want you to do that one thing, and you guys are all stuck in that system. And um, Talking about rest, also like noise. I'm very sensitive to noise sometimes, so when I'm in a city like that, the buzzing, the honking, the people like – that's all meant to disrupt your sleep. Anywhere you go, it's disrupting your sleep. Even the buzzing from a modem or a, or a cell phone being plugged in, you can hear that audibly. Like, I can hear it. I don't, most people kind of, like, can drown it out. But I grew up in the sticks. Like, there was nothing. There's no electricity. There's no running water. Like, it was quiet except for, like, the res dogs that are barking, which I find comforting. But some people can't handle that from other places so that's the one thing rest is resistance don't get caught up in their game they don't want you to rest because then they you'll they'll start thinking you'll be more clear you'll think deeper and have that ability to look beyond just trying to get that next little whatever just being the little mouse on the hamster wheel type thing <laughs> yeah I guess a hamster on a hamster wheel <laughs> <laughs> hey i bet a mouse would love a hamster wheel too um but they're I would, definitely i would love a hamster wheel <laughs> Definitely not made for people, though. Um, right. You kind of were giving me, like, DJ Khaled vibes. Like, they don't want you to rest. So what are we going to do? We're going to rest. <laughs> we're going to sleep. Major key. <laughs> um, actually. Oh, also, I want to make the distinction. Rest and sleep. Like, people, like, think sleep. And they're like, oh, I should sleep. Like, no, it's about resting. Like, whatever you need to do. Like, I don't always rest. Or I don't always sleep to rest but i will rest and not have to sleep also like sleep is not they're not like coincide like just resting like what i'm doing right here right now this is restful for me i'm just chilling i'm like having a conversation this feels like rest to me that's how i would define it also mm -hmm. yeah that's something that we've talked about with um a few different guests so far on the podcast is like the different forms that rest takes and there are a lot of people who find that like um doing tasks that might seem like work to other people are actually restful like katie was talking about um beating as a form of rest for her yes. and i know dom um she's a yoga teacher but she also uses yoga to rest um <laughs> so i think it's interesting that yeah sleep does not have to be the only way that you rest i mean i definitely think it's a very vital um, part of everyone's rest practice and everyone does need to get as much sleep as their body needs but that is not the only way to rest so thank you for bringing up that clarification um i also had one more question that came up while you were talking like you're talking about when you go into the city you notice all these things that are there to disrupt your rest and that brought up for me the fact that you do move around so much i mean we both do so how do you find ways to rest like how do you bring your rest practice and like how do you get your rest needs met when you're constantly in new or different environments 
Um, I have the set patterns that I have. Like I continually, like my daily routines don't exactly change to location. Like, okay, like if I'm in a different location where I can't do X, Y, and Z, like I change it up a bit. I'm like, oh, well, I can do this here, so I'll do that here. But honestly, I, like praying at night is one of my like biggest things before I go to bed. It's like the one thing that I like almost have to do to like calm myself and get in that space where I can relax. So I feel like no matter where I go, I'm always, I mean, even, I mean, a lot of, I don't know how many of your viewers actually know me or follow my travels, but like I've been around the world. I've been to like China and Tibet. And even while I was there, like looking up at the stars and realizing I'm like literally still on mother earth. Like there's a, such like a weird grounding that I felt there. And I felt like I was with my people there because they're so similar. And so like whenever I go anywhere, my mom always taught me that like wherever you go around this world, like you can never be lost because you're a child of the earth. So wherever you go, wherever you feel like you can always be grounded. So I always take that like personally and so whatever I'm even in a new or like a lot of times dangerous environment, I feel at home because like, I know I belong there. I should be there. Like this is our, this is our realm that we live in right now. Mm. Yes. So that's how I find rest. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I've heard you um, say things like that before. And I think it's definitely something that I'm working on too, is to like not be so hung up on being physically in the right space but more like mentally emotionally spiritually in the right space um so yeah i appreciate you sharing that thanks all right i do want to take a few listener questions um i know we got a couple so dominique who was on the podcast a few weeks ago at the dadam on instagram wants to know how does the meme king find rest between keeping his constituents entertained <laughs> oh geez so i read i don't know that's a good question actually um kind of caught me off guard there how do i keep my constituents how do i find rest that's like i said like making people laugh is enjoyable for me so when i hear that i made somebody's day or they like laughed about something that brightens my day and i just feel like a little like tick or a little gold star it's like oh good like i'm glad somebody else has having as much fun as i am in this realm like right now, like just that being able to shed any type of light on anybody's darkness always brings me joy. And it makes me feel better because I've been in that darkness. I know how hard it is to come out of there. And I just want to be able to spread that opposite. Like, you know, it's going to get better. We're going to be all right. Like, yeah, it, it helps me feel satisfied in the fact that I can do that for somebody else. Awesome. Um, Dom also wants to know <laughs> if she can commission a pair of your silver feather earrings and she's willing to pay land back tax. Ooh, that land back tax gets heavy. <laughs> also, it's th it's past the first of the month. So if you guys visit my uh, link in my bio, you can uh, <laughs> pay some rent there. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Due to COVID, I had to more or less kind of leave my studio. So I'm actively, actively working on creating a new uh, creative space. So as soon as that's up and ready, I'll be opening all my customs and being able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do but you... For sure. I would love to create more. That's my favorite thing is I love creating. Do you want to share for anybody who might not know, like, what does the land back look like? And maybe how does rest tie into land back for you? Yeah, land back is like a very easy, like, it's two words. It's like, yeah, land back. Like, but what it carries is a whole lot more weight than what it is. It's like, uh, a lot of times we just want sovereignty over, and like a sovereignty and autonomy over like land, land choices that are happening because this is all stolen land. 
and we want to have like informed consensual decisions about what happens with the land and this is like for a lot of people it's not even like oh we want all the land back and kick everybody out like for some people it is hey i don't judge that because that is a part valid part of the conversation where this was stolen and like we need to have some sort of reciprocal like you know land back tax we need to be paid for rent that has never been paid because of all this is stolen and for me um i look at it from like an ecological perspective so we're all like um we're all of this earth and like wherever we come from and there's ways we can take care of the earth and following the people who have been here since time immemorable um the actual ways we can actually harm are like i don't know rematriate repay yeah rematriate the land and make sure that it's like up to our i don't know it's a symbiotic relationship so however we need to do that we need to I don't know. We need to get land back. That's all. <laughs> I'm not even like being succinct about it. We just want land back, and it's hard to explain why we need it back. But it's for the betterment of all people, so we can have food and shelter and sovereignty from capitalism. Honestly, like we can, we move away from capitalistic systems. If we had food sovereignty, land, shelter, like the basic necessities, people don't have to worry about food and shelter and all these other things. We could actually build a very beautiful society that includes all everybody. Yeah, um, no, no pressure to be succinct. It's not a concept that can really be summed up with a nice, neat little bow on top. Like there are a lot of nuances to it, but I appreciate you providing that um, little bit of background information for anybody who's not familiar with the land back movement. Um, it's kind of up there with like reparations for the black community and like, you know, the, the debt hasn't been paid, the, um, you know, amends haven't been made yet. And that's one way that the yeah. indigenous community is fighting um, to get their to get what's owed. Um, so thanks for those questions, Dom. Um, at Darla.mungia, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right, wants to know what's been your biggest motivation? Um, I don't uh, know if that's for work or rest or what, but. My biggest motivation is, uh, it's honestly the, I work with a lot of indigenous youth. And like, I always say like indigenous youth are the future because um, not only do we have the stories and like, the culture and all those other things like they have the time also like i feel like i'm late to the game and seeing how much i've progressed in the last like 10 years they are very like surpassed that with the amount of technology we have at our fingertips so like i'm always investing in uh not just indigenous youth but all youth like the youth are literally going to be able to help this situation along in the future and that's where i invest 90 percent of my time is in the youth so it's like my biggest motivational factor is like how do we make sure the next seven generations are that much better than we are like we had these declining whatever now it's our turn to like start you know projecting a better future for us that's why we're saying defund the police that's why we're saying you know destroy these systems that are in place that are not good for us like destroy the machine like we want to have a better future for all of us yeah and is rest something that you talk about with the youth that you work with is it something that you're like explicitly teaching them to do or are, are they already like on the same page and like they don't need that teaching um some do some don't but i i like to reaffirm the fact that they don't need to basically conform to the capitalistic system that's in place that you know basically robs you of rest I'm like take care of yourself i say take care of yourself drink water get a good night's rest or however you need to do, like take time for yourself, make sure you're in that space. If you need to pray, if you need to talk to somebody, make sure you can try and like 
uh, fulfill those needs that your body, you know, your body is like what you feel is what you need. That's what you need to take care of. I can't speak for anybody and what they need. Like some people need to talk for an hour. I don't, I get to sit in silence or listen to music. Like that's how I operate. So there's no like a set prescribed, you know, doctor's note of mm-hmm. what it is that they need to be doing, but just tell them to take care of themselves. And I teach that a lot, um, especially when we're at ceremony and people come to me and they're like, oh, well, so-and-so did this. I'm like, well, then that's that's kind of their ceremony. Like that's how they choose to operate within this realm. Let them do that. You should worry about yourself. I don't know why, you know, you're kind of playing this tattletale game, but like <laughs> focus on your prayer, focus on your ceremony. What do you want your ceremony to look like? How do you want to like, you know, carry on the future? So I teach that a lot whenever I'm in those spaces. Yeah, um, that's something Janelle Paciencia, who was on two weeks ago, she talked about as well. Cause she works with young kids, um, or I guess like teenagers as well, kind of like you do, and like giving them a variety of options of ways that they can mm-hmm. um, self-care or find community care um, that will work for them. Because like you said, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, but I do agree that it is an important conversation to be had um, and just making sure that they're aware of every resources available to them um, as far as refs goes. Um, yeah, yeah, I just lie. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we had one more question from Keish1 at Keish1 on Instagram. Wants to know, do you find lucid dreams disrupt or deepen your rest? Do they help or hinder? So that's actually a great question. I actually <laughs> love that because <laughs> for a lot of you don't know, I'm a Pisces and like I live in the dream state. I live in a very flowy dream state. I'm a dreamer through and through i can do that while i'm awake or whether i'm asleep but it works a lot better when you're asleep um it can be disruptive if you get kind of go down the rabbit hole and you stay in that realm but that's the fun part about lucid dreaming is you're able to kind of dip your toes into a realm that you know that you're there but you know you not necessarily should stay there so it's kind of a fun in between um i know people get into like astral projecting and stuff like that like i'm not on that level i used to be a lot better at it pre-concussion and i've had a really hard time getting back into lucid dreaming um what i like to do is like go to sleep and like sleep my whatever full rest and then wake up in the morning and when you feel that like kind of almost groggy feeling where you're like i could get up but i also could go back asleep that's when i lucid dream i will i will lay there and like have my eyes closed and i'll start to dip my toes into that water and like float around for a bit so i usually get my rest first and then i start my lucid dreaming um and i find it really i don't know it's really enjoyable for me because i'm no longer able i'm no longer bound by like i guess what this realm like what reality is so like i can fly i can do whatever i want and also my brain has enough rest built up or whatever like it's not computing the billion things I have to do for the day. So it's very a weightless feeling. I can float. Um, if anybody's into lucid dreaming, I also would recommend um, these deprivation tanks, the float tanks. There have been like, I've only done like one or two, but they're such a game changer for me because you get to feel this weightlessness and you get to dissolve back into your own body or the realm or whatever you want to try to, uh, uh, sorry, like my English is just failing me because there's no words to accurately describe um, what I feel in those spaces. But it is like a weightlessness, like floaty, ethereal, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My sister has talked about lucid dreaming a bit. It's not something that I've like really tried exploring, but it does sound very freeing. It's hard. It's it's work. It takes a lot of work to get into that space. It takes a lot of like not worrying about, you know, you have to really, like, it's a meditation. You're breathing and like 
working on that and a lot of times like you wake yourself up so that's really frustrating that's why yeah. I do it after I sleep because if you're trying to go into it um from a standpoint of like oh I gotta go to sleep but like I want to try this also it's like you're playing with your good night's rest at that point you're like mm. you can start to fall asleep and then you can jump up and wake up and you're like oh damn that was kind of almost there but it wasn't there it's frustrating <laughs> Yeah, um, you mentioned like dreaming when you're awake and that reminded me of a question that I forgot I wanted to ask you. What is the last thing that you daydreamed about? Um, okay, so I have like, a lot of people don't know me, but like I'm really into cars. So I'm like always <laughs> daydreaming about different cars. <laughs> and like, it's so terrible. Like I'm up there like fighting a pipeline, but I also like want to just drive my car around. Like I live in a duality, unfortunately. And like, I want to just go cruising around in my car with, like, I used to do that all the time with my dog. I have this old, like, old classic car that I drive around with my dog, and I used to just have in the passenger, and I was like, oh, man, that'd just be fun to, like, have that available again. Um, yeah, the daydreams, I ride a lot of motorcycles, too, and that's actually the closest I've gotten to, like, daydreaming while being very actively awake is because you have to be hyper-aware, but you're also, like, it's a flowy state of like um, being on a motorcycle. It's like you have control with your hands and you can just like, you feel the wind. It's very like physically engaging in a lot of different senses. And I feel like, I don't know, that state is one of my favorites. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the best kept, not a secret secrets about you is like how into like cars and motorcycles you are. Like I remember when I first started to get to know you, I was like, wait, I had no idea that this is like actually half of what you are interested in. It's like such a big part of your personality is like cars and motorcycles, but you would never know that from the internet. So I think that's funny. So <laughs> thanks for Anyways, sharing Anyways, can't be spilling all my tea here. <laughs> pay me for some of the real good secrets. Yeah, uh, go click the link in Alex's Instagram bio. Hit him up on Venmo. Maybe he'll send you a secret or two. Um so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I think we did the podcast. Oh wow, that was a quick little. That was a podcast. That was a whole podcast. I know we did a whole podcast. <laughs> can we have a little party. We can, we can. I have big plans for um, a holiday special, which would involve multiple guests. So if y'all are interested in that, let me know. Um, Down. I think it. How do you think it went? I think it went well. As nervous yeah, I just as shout I was. Out my mom and like my family for um being the people that they are and like sometimes not being upset with me for <laughs> resting like sleeping or doing my things that i need to do yeah it's such a privilege sleep is such a privilege like mm -hmm. we all woke up this morning there's people like that didn't get that opportunity so i want to like also remember those people like brianna taylor was sleeping when she was shot murdered we need to have we need to address these issues like sleep is such a privilege and we need to be able to all rest mm -hmm. so we can like envision that better future so that's all just want to end on a little bit of that note yeah thanks for bringing that up i think that's a really important part of what i want to get across to people is sleep is such a privilege and it can very easily be taken from you um yes and grinding is not going to ensure that you get more rest the only way you can get more rest is by right. actually resting um and again we don't all have the opportunity to do that but when we do we should take advantage of it um because we kind of owe yeah. it to ourselves. We owe it to our ancestors who weren't given the opportunity to. We owe it to those, like you said, who didn't get to wake up today or, or yesterday or however long before. Um, so, yeah, I hope that everybody who's listening gets all the rest they need this week. Um, I want to give another quick shout out to Nikki, Irene, and Aaron 
for contributing to the podcast, supporting us financially. We super appreciate you all. If you'd like to support, um, there's a link in the show notes. There's also a link in my Instagram bio to my Venmo, PayPal, and Patreon. All of these are self-funded, so if you want to support that way, it's super helpful. You can also support the podcast by sharing, um, pick your favorite episode, or just share the podcast in general um, with your friends, family, whoever. You can leave ratings and reviews on whatever platform you're listening on. Those are super helpful. Alex, thanks so much for your time (laughs) and bringing the laughs, always bringing the memes. I know you've been shouted out so many times that it was far overdue to have you on as a guest. So I'm so glad I got to chat with you today. Um, thanks everybody. Absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. Um, thanks everybody who tuned in live and everybody who's listening online. I super appreciate all of you. I hope you have a beautiful week. Get all the rest you need and I will see you next week. And I just want to say, sleep beautifully, which <laughs> yes. is kind of like rest, but yeah. Let us rest. (laughs) Nijonago at the wash. (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all.